What's up, guys? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are recording this one uh, late here on on a, a Monday night, rolling into Tuesday. We're going to talk about things in the aftermath of the 38-15 Browns loss to New England. And if you're here, I applaud you for listening to this and caring enough about the deep dive uh, as, as I put together a lot of work to do these. I, I hope you still enjoy them. I've had some people reach out to me and tell tell me you do and and listen I you know I could talk about some of these knee jerk reaction pods I've put up lately have been kind of focused on the emotion of everything you know because I think that a lot of times capturing your immediate takeaway and then coming back with a more calculated take a day or two later has it has benefits so that's what we're trying to do here we are you know I'm kind of removing myself from the immediate aftermath of the third straight loss the only time that's happened is Stefanski I think I think that's the first time it's happened to him since 2020 it's not it's not been very frequent now the frustrating thing for you and all of us is they're three and seven in their last 10 games if you include include the end of last season and all of the losses that precluded the the end of the year meaningless win over the Bengals and then the two wins this year and I think it's pretty clear, pretty apparent that we're all very frustrated. We're all, you know, as far as this year goes, and I think this rolls into the players where I did make some statements about effort and um, some of which I stand by, but the timing in which the questionable effort happened, I've started to gain some perspective on. So I'm trying to, I guess I'm going to walk some of it back. But nonetheless, like this game was full of riddled with, frustration and I think the thing it's boiling over is you ask yourself well the Browns have lost six you know three games by six points this year and it shouldn't feel like they've quit and and I think I thought based on the end of the game frustration that they did quit well I don't think they did in, in certain portions of the game I think at the end of the game after the final botched punt return I think it started to feel like everything just is never going to go our way and I think they're the, at that point at the beginning of the season here where they're being really mentally challenged by everything seeming to in big moments go against them now you do need to overcome that you need leaders that can step up and make plays I'm totally with you uh, if that's the way you view it I view it that way too somebody's got to be the reason things change right so like I said I get it but I think right now they're at a really frustrating point because they're doing a lot of things right, but there's like, you know, some weeks six to ten to sometimes more, more in this one because I think you have to include the offense in it, uh, of plays that are swinging the outcome of the game. And the end of that game where the questionable effort hit, it was after the, you know, they, they're making a charge to come back, they get this onside recovery, then the weird onside ruling happens where they can't really see that the ball was touched by A.J. Green, but they call it touched, so that huge momentum swing of having a chance to come back gets taken away from them then they get a stop on a miles garrett sack and then you know the the, the botch punt return and then the two touchdowns the, the, the score at that point was 20 24 15 i think was the score at that point the browns could have gotten it back on down to score this game could have ended 24 22 or 23 or something of the sort it ends 38 15 which looks worse and i think at that point we're all really really frustrated and we're also as frustrated as the players who were sort of giving up at that point, because again, I think it's a tidal wave of the first five weeks and this one added into one and, and it just, it reached a boiling point, how they respond to that. We'll see. But in my opinion, I think the effort stuff from my perspective was a little overblown. Now I do think they don't play as hard as they need to. And I made that point earlier on Twitter about, 
I don't think they're always playing as hard as they need to play. And in this game, New England overwhelmed them at times by playing harder. But the quitting giving up stuff sort of needs to be walked back by me, in, in a sense, a little bit. Because at the end of the game, I, I do see the perspective of where they were, and it's just this is ridiculous how this season is going. But how they, they can still change it. If they can get to 4-4, four and four, <laughs> here I am again, if they can get to 4-4 four and four after the two division games coming up here, they still have a fighting chance. But it's going to take a ton of leadership, a ton of guile, a ton of everything deep down in these guys to get that done because Baltimore and Cincinnati are good football teams. And New England's good. They're not great, but they're good. They fight. They scrap. And and I thought they just made more plays. And that's the thing that's frustrating is the Browns, in my opinion, have better players. They just didn't make as many plays. And that's what it comes down to in the NFL. Now, we're going to talk about some schematic things that, that, that swayed certain portions of this game in a little bit. But th- this game, again, uh, it ends 38-15, but it was, it was there for the taking again. And it is not as ugly as that score indicates. If you look at the game's totals, New England goes for 21st downs, Cleveland goes to si- for 16. Third down, New England is 7-14, Cleveland 4-15. So those things lean New England's favor. The net yards, 399 to 328. 65 offensive plays for New England. Technically 75, but they had 10 penalties that wiped out play. I mean, they they committed a ton of penalties. They were they were asking to put themselves behind the eight ball, but they gained more, more yards, right? Cleveland only had 4.9 yards per play to their 6.1 for New England. The rushing net was 98 for New England to 70. As Ramondre Stevenson went for 19 times for 76 yards, and then Tyquan Thornton had that 16-yard uh, or actually it was a 19-yard run on a jet sweep that was when everybody, I think, reached their tipping point to make the score 31-15 at that point. Um, they end up going for 98. They throw for 301, and that's something we're going to talk about, the Bailey Zappi performance, where he goes 24-34 for 309 and two touchdowns. This fourth-round rookie, just a little guy, man. Um, you know, the Browns turned it over four times, and that's the crux of the entire game right? The four turnovers. New England gets five touchdowns in the game. They go one of two on field goals, five touchdowns. Cleveland goes one touchdown, three of three on field goals. And New England has 10 minutes more possession. So the formula you hear me talk about all the time, it uh, it wasn't followed. So that part is um, that part's frustrating. But like I said, they're not, they're not egregiously far off here. They're just, there's certain people on certain plays here and there that are screwing something up that's costing everybody. It could be a coach with a play call or a scheme design. It could be a player communicating that they're supposed to be somewhere they're not there. It could be one guy missing a block. It could be one guy dropping a ball. It could be a quarterback not seeing the right person. It could be a cornerback uh, having poor leverage on a route and not being where he's supposed to be. It could be a defensive lineman not staying in container where they're supposed to be or a running back or sorry, a linebacker in a run fit not doing their job. It's just the thing that I think is collective, and you can say it, and it's all encompassed, is that they are not getting 22 people to do their job on Sunday. They're getting maybe 18, sometimes on a given play, uh, 10 guys on offense or defense, or collectively in a game, maybe 20 of the 22 guys who play on offense and defense are doing it. But the the, the people that are not are costing them. And that's why they're two and four. And that's why you're really frustrated. So we're going to break it off and talk both sides of the football here in a little bit. But 
again, this is not me trying to, to, to paint over gloss over an ugly painting or something like it wasn't good here, but there's, it's not as egregiously bad as we're all frustrated to feel. But nonetheless, I do stand by my article that I wrote today on the OBR, which is that pressure is mounting. You cannot go three and seven in your last 10 and not have some and two and four this year pressure mounting. And I think it's going to reach its boiling point soon for somebody. I don't know who that somebody's going to be. We'll see. We'll be right back. Quick word from our sponsor. Then we're going to jump in and talk. We'll talk defense first on this pod. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250 k in cash alone. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. All right, so we've already kind of gone through some of the metrics around what New England did on offense. Let's talk a little bit about the Browns' defense because in this one, it was different. It was tilted. Like, Joe Woods did some different things. So they were in uh, New England runs against 65 plays. Cleveland runs 28 base snaps, 28 nickel snaps, 5 dime snaps. There were four 2DB looks on the goal line in that initial first possession goal line stand. So... That's interesting. They ran some base snaps against 11 personnel, but they matched for the most part. What's interesting to me is their aggression. They blitzed 18 times, and you guys want them to blitz. That's a high volume of blitz. Five of those, uh, sorry, 18 blitzes with five or more rushers, and then they ran four times. They ran six plus. So they were hyper aggressive, and the thing that matches that is that they were in 22 snaps of, of cover one. So they played a lot of man in this game. And then they were in one snap of cover zero where they just were all out six man blitz and played cover zero behind it. 
They were in single high a lot, cover three. They had 27 cover three snaps, and they only had six in either cover four or cover six. Cover six is quarter, quarter, half uh, designed to sort of sort of cloud over maybe a, a really big-time receiver. So they were aggressive. They were single high, and they did that a lot to gap out run game, which, again, I thought they were pretty good in run defense in this one. There was not much of a complaint. The only time that they popped one was the – 38 yarder with the, the the you know kind of that touchdown before half where New England did a great job. It was just the right call at the right time, and I don't think the Browns were very cognizant of something in the run game happening there. They were really thinking pass, 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 and JOK has this thing where he'll he'll they'll both be up mugging the a gaps, and then they'll he'll sell like he's retreating in coverage, and then turn up field and blitz, and he did that, and it took him out of his run fit. And then Martin Emerson's chasing his man because it's man-to-man. They're being aggressive and blitzing. Chases his man, cracking down inside. Stevenson has an easy gap to go through. Bounces it outside. The safety can't get there. It's a touchdown. So you can say, shrug your shoulders. Because I don't blame, you know, it's third and ten. I don't blame Joe Woods for blitzing there. They're trying to knock him out of field goal range. It was just a good call against the blitz that the Browns run, and it worked to perfection. And that's tough. But sometimes the other teams paid there, so that one I don't really get all too mad about, except for, you know, you can't have three guys in one gap. You just can't you can't do that. That's why that play pops like it popped, so that's frustrating. Otherwise, in this one, um, the thing that stood out to me is New England had a very specific wrinkle they wanted to do. When they went max protect, which is seven or more guys protecting, okay? That means three-man pass route minimum. When seven protect. Here's the here's the snap by snap analysis. They had a 17 yard gain. They had a zero yard gain only because of the illegal touching, which I, I again don't I don't totally agree with that illegal touch penalty on Hunter Henry in the back of the end zone on that first possession. He was pushed out of bounds running toward the sideline, and how I don't know how he could get back in any quicker than he did with where his momentum took him on the push. So I think the Browns caught a break there. But anyway, that's one of them, which was a successful play but nonetheless was wiped out. So 17, the illegal touch penalty, 11, 20, 31, 27. Those are their gains. The last one was the sack by Miles Garrett that forced the punt that was then botched. That sack uh, came on a two-man route concept where they were open. And and, and then New England also knew, hey, man, if we get them in certain situations, if we come out in heavy personnel, extra linemen, and we run two-man route concepts, or even sometimes three, what they were doing is they were running this run action because they know the Browns are so aware of needing to stop the run, they know they're going to be in cover three, two-man, it's just literally a balanced formation, a Z and an X split, and they were just running two-man route concepts. A post, a dig, uh, a post with an over, a vertical a smoke route, or a vertical route with an over, or or they would run a post corner off of it, because what they know... The Browns are going to run cover three, and if they run cover three and we give them some sort of play action, the linebackers are up, and then they're going to have to robot technique, which is turn and run after they read pass late and get underneath this crosser. The the Patriots hit two crossers on Jacob Phillips, who just couldn't find his guy, couldn't find him, and then they did these little wrinkles off of it where they, if you remember, they threw one to Greg Newsom. Uh, on this, they, they threw an on Newsom where Newsom starts to chase this receiver running uh, on the right side, running toward the middle like he's running that over route and then hits it on a corner to come back the other way. And he's wide open because Newsom knows I'm not getting any help from anybody inside. So I have to cheat to take away the over. The Browns don't cut the safety, doesn't cut it. They keep the safety over top. He doesn't cut that over route. So that means the corner's kind of independent on it because he's not getting a ton of help from his linebacker. 
And New England just picked on it. They picked on it. When they went only two routes out, that's literally it. Two routes out, max protect. The other gains, 20, 31, 27, and then that sack where, again, Miles got home luckily because otherwise there was a completion on another corner route up the right side. So they had that schemed up. We know the linebackers are playing run because they've been beat two straight weeks for 200 plus. We think we can get these throws off. We max protect, give Zappy time. He delivered on a couple of them. He delivered on two over the middle, uh, beating Jacob Phillips, and he delivered on a ball to Newsom on the right side. The other one, the, the one that went for a touchdown, which was 30, 31 yards, the Browns blitzed, cover one. Jacob Phillips, sorry, not Jacob Phillips. I don't want to give him uh, punishment for this. This is not his fault. It's Grant Delbert falls down. It's man coverage, cover one. Hunter Henry goes in motion right to left, and Delpit just falls. There's nobody there. That's the risk in man All of you who want man coverage all the time, man, 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 man. Well, hey, brother, if somebody falls or there's a bust, like there's no one there. There's no one there. So it's you want the aggression, and I do too, and Joe Woods upticked it, but there's inherent risk that comes with that aggression. So take that for what it's worth. you got to really accept that if you're a believer in all of that upfield man-to-man, get-in-your-face type stuff. So that, to me, stood out. The Browns were very aggressive. I thought they did a nice job and run, but they gave up chunk plays and pass that hurt them. I mean, you know, I'm not a, a mathematician here, but of Zappi's 309 yards, you're talking about a third of them coming on these max-protect, very easy throws. And then if you throw in what Zappi did, um, in terms of what other things they threw out. I mean, he had in screen game, you add in 31 more yards, you know? So that adds 31 to the already added up max protect stuff. And you're talking about a guy goes from a 180 yard game to a 300 yard game. That's your example. So in the game, like I said, they, they blitzed 18 times, 15 of those blitzes came on dropbacks. They picked it apart. There's 11 of 15. 186 and two touchdowns. That's insanity. That that's they could not. They blitzed and they could not get home. They just could not. They could not get home. When he wasn't blitzed, 13 of 19 for 123. No touchdowns. No interceptions. When he was under pressure, he was five of 11 for 57 yards. Pressure remains king. When he wasn't under pressure, 19 of 23, 252 and two touchdowns. So that's all you need to know. Play action, which I was just referencing. These play-action throws, they had 7 of 8, 165, and a touchdown, just ripping them apart. And that is what happens to teams who cannot stop the run. They start to get fearful of it. They're always playing forward to stop it, and you pick them apart with play-action. So that, again, is the outcome. If they, if linebackers don't trust their guys up front to help them with the run, they're going to play forward. Thus, playing forward creates issues. Um, let's just look at snap count stuff that stood out to me. Delpit, Jacob Phillips play. John Johnson pretty much played every snap. John Martin Emerson, Greg Newsom. Again, those guys are all above 65 snaps in the game. 34 slot snaps for Newsom. Eight in the slot for Delpit when they'd roll him down and play single single high coverage. Uh, Taki Taki had five, kind of bumped out. Taki Taki played 51 snaps. 50, 51 snaps. JOK played 33. Talking about best defense. I don't know what the answer is on that. I have no idea. Maybe they just wanted more more, more body weight in there with Taki Taki a little more. I'm not. That's a good question for a coach this week. Miles graded really well. He had eight, a ridiculous eight pressures, two sacks, a forced fumble. He was great. Three stop tackles. You know, people continue to try to log on and complain about him, but whatever. Uh, they graded John Johnson really well. 
Um, you know, when I watched it again, I kind of think I agree. There's some there's some stuff where people pass blame to him on a couple little things, and there certainly are some effort issues from him every now and again, but I thought he was fine in this game. I thought he was fine for the most part. They graded Emerson well. I thought Emerson was fine. He did get picked on a little in coverage, 5 of 8 for 81 yards, but they challenged him a lot, and I thought he was he was fine. He was okay. Taki Taki grades close to a 70. Tommy Togia and Jordan Elliott with two of their better grades of the season. I thought they played run game pretty well. The Browns didn't really change a ton. They came out the first snap in a bare front, five down. Didn't do that very often, but they took care of the run stuff, I thought, pretty well. I didn't think Greg Newsom was very good in this one. His 52.3 grade is is fitting for me. I thought he was he was rough at times in this one. JOK at a 50, feels about right, got beat on a play-action concept, um, missed, missed a couple tackles. Jacob Phillips also with a 51.3 grade, missed a couple tackles. He was terrible in coverage. The linebacker coverage stuff is bad. It's bad. It's really bad. Greedy was rough in his first game back. He gave up a couple catches. He could have given up a couple more, but he was he was it was rough. It wasn't a great showing. The three worst, the two worst grades are Perrion Winfrey, uh, who was who was again a run game liability when he's out there, but it didn't get exposed this week. And Isaac Rochelle is thirty two snaps, and that guy just I I can't I don't get how he's still in the league. But you know I guess there's nobody else they can replace him with. He's pretty terrible. He's pretty terrible. Um, run defense grades. John Johnson gets the highest mark there. He had two stop tackles to lead uh, the secondary. Actually, Delpit had three. I'm sorry. Uh, Delpit was fine in run game. It's fine in run game. But he just gets exposed for these big plays and big moments, and he's getting crucified, and he deserves it. The jet sweep, touchdown. The fall down. You can't fall down in man coverage on a tight end. Hunter Henry is not God's gift to athleticism. You can't fall down. And then he he just, on the JOK play action where he's sort of over the top there to make the tackle on Jonu Smith, he just throws a shoulder into him and doesn't bring him down. I don't I don't know. Uh, you know, Elliot Togiai graded, graded out fine, I guess, for interior guys. Winfrey Rochelle, Alex Wright, Martin Emerson, Newsom are your, are your uh, worst run defense grade. Your pass rush stuff, Miles with the 94.3 was great, like I said. 36.7% win rate. It's ridiculous. Um, otherwise, he didn't get much help. The only other pressures in the game, two from Alex Wright, two from Jordan Elliott. Um, both of those were hurries. He got one from Togiai, one from Delpit, one from Isaiah Thomas late in the game. Like, there just wasn't much help. They just, they're just they not winning individual pass rush matchups, and we'll talk about the other side where New England got a ton of pressure. Coverage stuff, Martin Emerson. Um, targeted the most. He had a good grade, though. He was targeted the most, but he had a, a solid grade because he had a couple pass breakups. So I like that. I like that for him. Johnson, 75.5. The number 56.5 still feels too high for Delpit. Still feels way too high. He was responsible for a touchdown. Greedy was responsible for a touchdown down to the goal line where he just lets his man win inside without getting his hands on him and reacts. So he did a couple re- where he just really reacted he reacted so late to some. Newsom, Phillips, and, and, and JOK were in the mid to low 50s, allowing between all of them, allowing on 12 attempts, they allowed 10 completions on those for uh, 
upwards of 140 yards. So they just weren't good enough. I didn't think Newsom was good enough in this one. So, you know, defense, to put a bow on it, I continue to think they're very basic. They're very they're very predictable. Teams have found ways to get them to be predictable. I'll give Wood some credit with the uptick in man and the blitz this week, but I feel like teams have a good feel for when they're going to blitz, how they're going to blitz, and coverages based on certain looks that are thrown at them. I don't know, man. I, I think that there needs to be a new voice defensively. I stand by that. And if at the bare minimum, a new voice in how they go about pass coverage because Jeff Howard's not getting it done. He is the pass game coordinator on defense, and he is the DB's coach, and there are so many breakdowns and underperforming talented players at that position. And sometimes, to me, a change of voice just is necessary to figure it out. You can't just replace the players. You can't. These are the guys you pick, but can you change the voice trying to get them to reach a different level? It's something you need to be entertaining. I think you need to be entertaining. That's all I'm going to say. I wrote about it, read about it at the OBR. One more break. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we switched to offense, and you know why? Maybe you ask why? Why are people so upset about the first four or five games? And well, Jacoby Brissett was due for a regression, and we found that regression. It landed right square in our laps in this one. He was shook from the beginning. The first drive, the first interception on the second throw of the game, underthrow. Duggar picks it off. It's got to be a us or nobody ball up the sideline, high and away. Maybe Farrell gets to it, maybe he doesn't. You can't leave it short. He was shook, man. The stuff in the pocket, he did not see the field well all game. And there were people open, guys. There were there were people open. I'll give you some raw numbers, and then we'll talk more performance. But, man, they had a regression in this one. 67 plays of offense, 47 came from 11 personnel. 11 of them came from 12 personnel. Nine of them came from 13 personnel with Farrell Brown on the field. Um 30, uh, sorry. So the, the thing that I was a little surprised by, New England was kind of predict. They played heavy six DBs, which is which is a trademark Belichick. 19 snaps with six DBs on the field. Um, so anytime the Browns went to 12 personnel, they didn't care. They were going to keep their five or six DB looks. They only played 10 snaps with four DBs, and that was pretty much all to the 13 personnel looks. So um, they didn't care. You want to throw two tight ends out there, we're going to match it with five or six DBs. But the Browns only use motion on 30 of 67, motion or shifting on 30 of 67 snaps, and that's low. Like, they traditionally are upwards of 60-70% of movement. They didn't move much, which caught me by surprise. And their run game stuff I, cal- I calculated here, 
They had nine outside zone runs, only 27 yards. New England does a great job setting the edge. They do a really great job of dictating when they set the edge, the backside pursuit, people filling in, but also being cognizant because they played single high. I mean, in this game, New England played 32 snaps of two-man cover zero or cover one. They didn't play anything of two mans. They were they were single high. They only had a, put it this way. They only had 11 snaps of of two high looks. That's it. And most of them were late in the game. They were playing, hey, we're going to gap these SOBs out, and we're going to make it difficult to run the ball. And they were they they made it difficult. They really did. They they do such a good job. They were more physical. The first time I can say watching the Browns offense, the opposing team was more physical, more determined than they were up front. It got They got the best of them. New England won on this day, which is similar to last year, which is really disheartening. Because, like I said, they do a great job of setting the edge, but they were beating people on backside blocks and they weren't maintaining blocks. So again, nine nine rushes, twenty seven yards on outside zone. That's not they're never gonna they're never gonna be a very good offense with Jacoby Brissett doing that. They got to be better there. They have to be extremely good at their outside zone stuff. When they went gun, um, when they ran the they ran a lot of that same side counter stuff early on, where they're sort of selling Nick down the line and coming back off of it for the guard kicking out the backside end and trying to sell, like, the Browns are in so much of that pen-pull stuff that I'm going to talk about here in a second because that's the only thing they were really good at. They ran three times for 32 yards when they ran pen-pull, but they ran that, that gun-counter power stuff, which really just counters, gun-counter, four for nine yards. And it was a wrinkle they wanted to have, and the first run, I think, went for eight. After that, they got nothing. They got nothing out of it. But when they went to their lateral stuff from the gun, when they did use pen-pull, they were pretty successful. All their big runs, including Nick's 18-yard run, um, those, those came from pen pull stuff and you could say, well, they needed to be more run heavy. Well, they weren't in a flow. They didn't have a flow in the run game and they weren't extending drives. They were again, four 15 on third downs. It's tough to really establish run game consistency or give opportunities when, you know, either you're down on the scoreboard late or you're in your, in your run game stuff early. It's just not getting, it's not netting anything. So that that was difficult. Like New England just did a great job. They did a really really good job and they got after it with blitz stuff. New England ran 15 blitzes in this game with five or more. Five of those came with six plus and then they ran two with seven plus and that broke the Browns brain, especially Brissett. Really it broke Brissett's brain. Two uh two turnovers when they brought seven plus. He had a fumble uh, he had a, had a fumble in the pocket late, late, and then he had that interception on the ball. He tried to double clutch and throw it into Joku up the right sideline. So two times they brought seven plus resulted in turnovers. And I'm going to pinpoint those in an article this morning about what the passing game left on the field, but those stood out. I mean, they just, the Brown, it broke the Browns brain. They did not like Jacoby was ill prepared for those moments. So that was really disheartening, but you know, for the most part, some of the passing stuff was was open. They had opportunities in the pass game that then extends drives and makes the run game, you know, something you can continue to use because you have more first downs, you have more early down opportunities to run the football, but they couldn't get in any rhythm. New England kept them out of rhythm. And again, the interceptions are crucial. The fumble was crucial and it and it killed drives. It really it really did and they missed opportunities in the pass game on some third downs and that's where you land. You land with a really disappointing day. Snap count stuff um, they took Jack Conklin out late in the game for Hudson, but every other lineman played 70. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett played 70. I actually think they ended up taking, oh, Froholt played 55 when he came in for Wyatt Teller. We'll see what happens with Teller this week. But Farrell Brown gets 19 snaps, Harrison Bryant 25. David Njoku continues to pr- impress me, was one of the best players on the field yesterday, Sunday, sorry. He had 56 snaps to lead, um, right there with Donovan Peoples-Jones to lead any 
potential pass catcher. And Joku's your leading offense grade. Betonio graded well. I thought Joel played pretty fine. Really, really, for the most part, one of the few up front who was up to his standard. Um, bottom, Anthony Schwartz, um, 12 snaps, and he can't he can't catch a football. It's, it's pretty rough. Harrison Bryant, I've got concerns about his long-term tight end two viability based on how they use that player and what he's able to do. I think they're going to look to upgrade that. And then I, I, I think the Kareem Hunt's down here and Jacoby Brissett. I didn't think Kareem played very well. Didn't have one of his better games. Brissett graded out at a 57.8 in pass, and I think that was generous. They gave him three big-time throws. I can see it. The touchdown ball to Cooper was big. That He threw a deep fourth and two, which he didn't need to throw deep because he had an answer in front of his face, to uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones that was a nice catch. And then the third big-time throw is escaping right now. But five turnover-worthy throws. I have to imagine that's at the top of the league for this week. Uh, nearly a 10% turnover-worthy throw percentage number. Uh, not good enough. Not um, not good enough there. He was due for regression, and it landed right in his lap. He was 17 of 31 for 188 and a touchdown when he was kept clean. He did have a fumble when he was kept clean. He had three turnover-worthy plays still when when not under pressure. When under pressure, it was really bad. Four of 14, 78 yards, two interceptions. New England was making him uncomfortable all day. Very fidgety, very confused with the looks they gave him. Um, it was really an uncomfortable watch. When he was blitzed, he was 18 of 34 for 237. You know, what's amazing is when he wasn't blitzed. Uh, sorry, take that back. Flip that around. When he when he was not blitzed, he was 18 of 34, 237. When he was blitzed, 3 of 11, 29 yards with the two interceptions. He did throw a touchdown, kind of a predetermined throw there in my opinion. But 3 of 11, two interceptions, a touchdown. So... That's a pretty poor 39.7 uh, grade on that. Non His play-action stuff was brutal. They got nothing from their base wide zone and nothing from play-action. Two of seven for 21 yards and an interception. So screen game. They only threw one screen for 14 yards. I thought there were opportunities against an aggressive defense to throw more screens. And I thought New England was begging the Browns on several opportunities like New England clearly saw the tape and knew the Browns liked to throw quick stuff, and they were just sitting on routes and they were begging for double moves. Like there were there were a couple that were open. The Joku throw early on the first drive up the left sideline, which if it's an accurate ball, it's probably a touchdown. He he misses him out toward the sideline and makes him fall down to catch it. But yeah, I mean like that game had double moves written all over it, and they didn't call enough. They just didn't call enough. It was 3 of 11 on 20-yard throws downfield for a 48 grade. 7 of 4, sorry, 4 of 7 on uh, uh, throws in the 10-19 intermediate. 62 short. He was 13 of 22 for a buck 05 on short throws. So the deep stuff was pretty brutal, uh, pretty brutal in this one. That's what hurt him, and a lot of the mistakes he made were on deep throws. So that's Brissett. He was due for regression, man. He was not, he's not an elite player. He'd been playing well and in comfortable environments. And if you think, if you think about when has Jacoby not played well, well, true pass sets, big moments late in these games, early on, they've lost in the season. That's when he's not answered the call. And New England made him feel that all game. They made him feel pressured all game and he did not respond to it. So, uh, yeah, really, really poor effort from Jacoby that hurt the offense. David and Joku, and Farrell Brown get your highest receiving grades. Amari Cooper targeted 12 times, only four catches. 
you know, you sort of start to see where Amari's getting a little old. He does some great things still, but you can see where things he did well early in his career, some of the twitchiness stuff is slowly fading away. So a 68.4 for Cooper in this game. DPJ, 66.6, catching 4 or 5 or 74. I thought he was good. Continue to think Donovan Peoples-Jones is fine. He's a fine receiver for what they do. I, I like him. Michael Woods gets his first NFL catch, 63.6. Grade, Nick Chubb um, catches one, like I said, for 14. Harrison Bryant, um, among your lowest receiver grades at a 48.5. He had a drop. There was a drop from David Bell. That ball was behind him, though. I don't think that was an easy catch to make. And then Anthony Schwartz had two drops on two straight throws and continues to prove that I don't, I just, I don't know how this guy makes it. I really don't. The role he's in and how weirdly he tries to trap the football, I don't know. I don't know how he makes it. Nick Chubb gets a 61.1 run grade. It's not much room to run, man. 56 yards. 27 yards after contact. The first game this year, he hasn't forced a missed tackle. He had one run of 10-plus, that 18-yard run in the second half. Six zone runs, six gap runs. Just an uninspiring day. Kareem Hunt was, I I felt like he was really hesitant. And he wasn't very good as a pass blocker either where he gave up a pressure on getting run over by Kyle Duggar. I put that on the timeline, which is not his MO. I mean, he's usually very physical, so surprising to me. Pass blocking Joel. Uh, grades really well 81.9 but then others it gets rougher right a 68.7 from Conklin 68.1 from Postage which isn't terrible but it's it's okay you know Conklin gave up three hurries Postage gave up one Froholt comes in for 45 reps in this game he gives a 63.5 grade he gave up a hurry Jedrick Wills was uh, is not a good game. The 62.9, he gave up six total pressures, four hurries, one hit, one sack, and I don't think his quarterback felt comfortable with it. And then Wyatt Teller was really rough when he was in there. He was only in there for seven pass-blocking snaps, but it was not pretty. He had a hurry allowed and a, uh, an overall one pressure. His grade was really low uh, in this one. And then Kareem Hunt gave up a pressure, like I said, on the timeline as well. Uh, run blocking. Amari Cooper is your highest mark, which tells a story. Teller, for his eight, uh, sorry, six run game snaps, graded a 75-6. Pro hold a 71-2. Batonio a 71-1. Postage 66-9. Jedrick Wills a 66.0. Just not as good as they normally are. Harrison Bryant with the worst one, which I thought he was really rough. It was a backside cutoff that he just completely missed on Judon for the first run of the second half that went for a negative two yards. Or you just like cut him, brother. You got to do something. You can't just let him run across your face. Uh, but that's it. I mean, I just thought we'll break it down with Kyle Murphy tomorrow night. Um, well, tonight for your for your Tuesday night Twitch show, uh, that'll that'll give you a picture of where I thought they they really struggled in this one. Uh, DeAnthony Bell is your lowest special teams grade, uh, struggling with the forty grade. Guys at the top, I like to shout out best special teams marks. AJ Green gets a seventy nine point five with a tackle. Michael Woods, John Johnson, Herb Miller, Dearness Johnson, and Ronnie Harrison, all with higher volume special team snaps and graded out well. I didn't think the special teams was a big issue, but Chester Rogers has to catch the football above all else because that was really crippling in a crucial moment. So that's, listen, that's it. That's all we're going to talk about today. I wrote up some of the feelings about the coaching staff. I'm going to write up some of the offense that missed. I'm going to write up later in the week the defense, where it's struggling and why it's struggling. But, you know, in this one, 
I just they're just not making plays in big moments. They're 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 missing stuff. They're missing play. They're not making enough winning plays this year. They're not. 38-15 is not indicative to me of how that game went. I didn't think it was that ugly, but the things they're doing to hurt themselves, actively hurt themselves this year is why you are frustrated and it's clear they are really frustrated too. So I don't know, man. They need leaders to step up and right the ship and make the winning plays and guys just to understand you don't have to be a hero. Just do your one of 11. Like do your one of 11. Like to the, to the maximum amount of effort you have, every single snap, do your singular job. You don't have to do jobs for other people. Just do your job. And they could, they could, there's enough talent here to win the next two games. Will they do that? I don't know, man, but there's enough talent. We'll see if they just, I just want them to play hard. I just want them to do, do their job and play hard. So we'll keep showing up on Sundays, man. I hope this was enlightening for you. I will have more, much, much more in video format where I can show you a lot of what I thought about this game on Twitch and it will be available for replay on YouTube as well as we do our Tuesday night chalk talk session where we'll get with Kyle and we'll get with John Stephenson. So check that out. I appreciate your time on this Tuesday. Have a great day, everybody, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.